Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Good morning, peeps, and welcome to Book AF Daily with me, your girl, Danielle Moody, recording from the Long Island Bunker. You know, I often say to you that you need to take a break so that you do not have a breakdown. And with all of the compacted crises that we are dealing with at this time and making the march to midterms, there never seems like the right time to take a break. But I say that you have to make that time. And so for me, dear friends here on Woke AF, I am going to be taking a much needed vacation so that I can rest and recharge as we head into what I believe is going to be one of the craziest falls we've ever seen. I have left you with eight amazing episodes that we have recorded back in 2021 with some of the most thoughtful, engaging, and insightful commentary that looks at our politics, our spiritual nature, our emotional well-being, and a look inside, frankly, with some of the guests that we are bringing to all of you. These conversations have been heard by our amazing Patreon supporters who get video episodes every single day because of their belief and financial support of Woke AF throughout the years. And so I'm really excited to bring all of you across all the platforms that you listen to Woke AF Daily on these episodes and these interviews that I think will be enticing to all of you. They hit on all of the major topics that we consistently discuss here on Woke AF, from racism to gender inequality to police misconduct to wealth inequality, which my God, 
And the need and the need and the need utmost for spiritual connection and wellness practices that allow us to successfully maneuver all of the things that have been thrown at us over the past couple of years. And so Friends, while I will be out from the show, I will not be out of sight for the next several days. And so you can continue to follow me on Instagram and on Twitter at D2Cents, D-E-E-T-W-O-C-E-N-T-S. Of course, I will be dropping in with my two cents. And you can check me out on TikTok, where I'm sure, certain that I will drop a few videos in the next couple of days. And there you can find me at Danielle Moody underscore. I hope that you all enjoy these next fantastic episodes that we have. Do drop your thoughts in the comments section. Do hit me up in the socials. Just don't draw my attention to anything that is terrible because I'm taking a break from the news. But dear friends, I really do hope that you enjoy these next eight episodes and I will see you with brand new episodes after Labor Day. Hey there, I want to tell you about another podcast I think you'll love. The Brown Girl's Guide to Politics hosted by Ashanti Goler, the president of Emerge. BGG is the one-stop shop for women of color who want to hear and talk about the world of politics. Join Ashanti this season as she talks to incredible women of color who are changing the face of politics and tackling some of the most important issues facing the United States. From reproductive justice to voting rights to climate change and more. Tune in every Tuesday wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm David Plotz of Slate's Political Gab Fest. As another election season accelerates, it can be tricky to sort through all the noise in the news. Each week on the Gab Fest, John Dickerson, Emily Bazelon, and I decipher the headlines, break down the races, and tell you what issues really matter. We do not always agree. We definitely do not always agree. But we always deliver thoughtful debate, and we always have a good time. So subscribe to Slate's Political Gab Fest. New episodes every Thursday. Folks, I'm so excited to be joined on Woke AF Daily with the professor, social scientist, and Herbert S. Hadley Professor of Social Welfare at Brown School at Washington University in St. Louis, Mark Rank, who is also the co-author of Poorly Understood What America Gets Wrong About Poverty. Mark, thank you so much for making the time to join us. I think that your book... um, is incredibly important. I have always thought and I've always discussed the fact that we don't have the right conversations with regard to poverty in this country. We never have. Um, And I frankly believe it's because we have set up our government in a way that we reinforce white supremacy. So if we tell the tale about Black and brown people being on the margins of society, not deserving, not part of the mainstream, and they're the ones that require welfare and require public assistance, then we can perpetuate the lie, right? Um, Your book with your co- with your co-authors kind of blast that wide open. And so I want to start off with what are some of the common misconceptions and myths that we share as a country around poverty? Yeah, well first thanks Danielle for having me on. Um there are there are, are obviously a lot of different myths out there, but 
I think uh, one to start with is this idea that, well, poverty is going to affect somebody else, but not me, that it's an issue of them rather than an issue of us. And one of the ways we start out in the book is to say, actually, if you look across people's lifetimes, a majority of Americans at some point will experience a year below the official poverty line. So between the ages of 20 and 75, um, 60% of folks will find themselves in poverty and three quarters of Americans um, will find themselves either in poverty or near poverty for at least a year. And um, this really puts a different um, perspective on it because it says, you know, actually poverty is an issue that affects most of us in one way or another. Um, so that's, that's one sort of um, variation on this idea that uh, the myth of poverty being an issue of them rather than an issue of us. Um, there are many others as well. For example, we often, our image of poverty is often that of folks of color in inner city areas that have been in poverty for long periods of time and that are using uh, social safety net programs. Mm -hmm. It turns out it turns out that that's, that image is, is, uh, is not correct. Um, actually, um, most people in poverty do not li live in high poverty inner city neighborhoods. They live in a variety of places. They live in suburbs, they live in rural America. Um, so I, I guess the, the point of this is to say that the reach of poverty is very wide and it, it, it affects a lot of folks at some point in their lives. Why do you think that we, I mean, from, from your research and the work that you've done throughout your career, is it just the storytelling aspect that needs to shift? Because we've perpetuated the lie, the media, and I, when I say we, I mean the media has perpetuated the lie um, with regard to poverty. And what we're seeing, you know, what, but it's while we have this image right, of black and brown people in the inner city, in these dilapidated com communities as being impoverished, what we know to be true is that if a $400 bill were to come due in most American households, 75% of those households would be unable to pay that bill, right? We know that healthcare continues to bankrupt families, which is why we had the push for the Affordable Care Act so that your, regardless of your economic situation, you could still get healthcare outside of an emergency room. So we know, we, we hold the, the, those facts while we still perpetuate the lie. And so how do you think that we disrupt that? Well, I think, um, you know, one thing is, is addressing that and addressing that with, you know, good, solid evidence and facts and and research, which is what I've tried to do throughout my career. Um, but I think, you know, an interesting question here is to step back and to say, look, uh, so we go, we, in the book, we go through all kinds of myths and, and basically um, show that those myths um, are not true. So the question is, if that's the case, how come we continue to hold those myths, which I think mm -hmm. is one of the things you're asking here. And um, we can step back and say, well, who's benefiting from these myths? Who's benefiting from the perpetuation of these myths? And I think um, we can point to several different groups. One 
would be political actors and, pol and politicians. Politicians have used the issue of the undeserving poor, the lazy uh, person on welfare to score political points over and over and over again. So Ronald Reagan was, was infamous in terms of his use of the welfare queen. Uh, Bill Clinton talked about, we wanna end welfare as we know it. Donald Trump uh, railed against welfare recipients. And what that's done is it's um, scored them political points in the American population. And so they've had a vested interest. But there's also, we could step back and say, you know, actually these myths that, um, that the poor are, um, are deserving of their situation really benefits those on the top. Because what it says is that I don't have any responsibility. It's not my problem if you're poor. Whereas if we say, actually, these problems are structural, it has to do with our economic policies, it has to do with our political and policy um, programs. If we do that, then we have to say, you know what, we all have a responsibility in terms of this. So I think it's a really important question to ask, you know, who's benefiting from these myths? And I, and I would argue that the folks that have benefited have been basically the folks in power who are mm -hmm. who are content with the status quo of widening inequality and more of the gains going to those at the top. But doesn't that then, Mark, isn't that going to stress our systems even more by not looking at the gap that is purposefully being widened. I mean, so I, I want to look at this now in the context of the current moment that we're in with COVID-19, which has create, which has not created, but I will say revealed mm -hmm. the inequities that we have always known that have existed, right? And we know who is bearing the brunt, both economically as it pertains to business closures, school closures, and all of the kind of um, points of, 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 of business and wealth creation around these systems that are now shut, shuttered, right, to some extent. Um, but we're seeing through this, through this revelation exactly how broken our system is. And so how do you look now at these food lines, right, at people being one paycheck away, at the desire of one political party not to provide relief because they don't think it's needed. Um, how do how do we use this moment to kind of to 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 as a watershed moment around how we look at poverty? Yeah, um, you know, if you look in the past and you look at when have we had changes in policies, they've usually come at times of economic turmoil. So the 1930s saw the Great Depression, um, the rise of the New Deal. That's when Social Security began, unemployment insurance. There was a feeling that there's a structural failing here and we need to address it on a federal level. And that's what FDR did. We're at a point now where we're seeing the same kinds of things because of the pandemic. It's kind of pulling the, the bandage off of the scar. And um, 
and is showing us just what you're saying that, you know, there are, um, you know, 40, 50% of the of folks in this country who don't have $400 uh, to cover uh, a, an emergency. Um, so, um, so yes, I think that, you know, we're at a moment in time where we can use this to really say, let's start thinking about some of these structural issues. But let me, let me um, throw in another thing here that's mm -hmm. related to this. And that is, you know, people often will say, well, you know, I feel bad about folks in poverty, but again, it doesn't really affect me and, and I don't really have to pay for that. Well, I did a study a couple of years ago and what we tried and what we did in that study was we estimated how much childhood poverty in the United States costs us on an annual basis. Mm. We, know, we know that childhood poverty is associated with higher healthcare costs. We know it's associated with less economic productivity when children become adults. And we know it's related to higher criminal justice costs. And so we factored all those, um, all those elements in. And what we found was that childhood poverty costs the United States on an annual basis around $1 trillion. So to put that in perspective, in 2015, that was 28% of the entire budget, of the entire federal budget. And so the point of this is to say, it's not like we aren't paying for poverty. What we're doing right. is we're paying for it on the back end of the problem mm -hmm. rather than on the front end of the problem. And it's always more effective to deal with the problem on the front end. And that's what we need to think about here in this moment of, of the pandemic and seeing these kinds of structural failings that are, that are going on. We need to invest in our people. And by doing that, we'll save money in the long run. Part of the investment, though, is believing that people are worthy of that investment. And I think that we have set up a, a, a political system where you have one party that believes that government can provide abundance, living wages, safety nets, security. And then you have another party that's like, no, these people are undeserving. They want a handout and we're not going to give it to them. And we're, we are the holders of the purse strings, right? And so that is a shift in, in thinking that needs to happen in order to create a shift in policy. How does this shift in thinking happen? Yeah. Uh, great, great question. Um, here's a way I like to think about this, because I think you're exactly right. We need a shift in thinking. We need to think about poverty on a different level. Here's, mm -hmm. the, here's the example. Um, let's take the analogy of musical chairs. Um, and let's say we've got um, eight chairs and we have 10 people playing. They're circling around, music stops, two people are going to lose out. And so we ask the question, who's going to lose out? Well, if we just focus on the two folks that lost out, we'll say, well, they weren't fast enough or they were in a bad position when the music stopped. And those are all reasons for why they lost out. But if we step back and we say, wait a minute, the structure of the game ensures that two people are gonna lose out. And therefore those individual characteristics only explain who loses out at the game, not why the game produces losers in the first place. And what we need to do in this country 
is step back and look at the structure of the game and say, mm -hmm. why are people losing out? They're losing out because we don't have enough jobs that can support families at a decent wage. We we're, People are losing out because we don't have national health care. We don't have child care that's available. We don't have programs to protect folks. So what we need to do is instead of saying who loses out at the game, let's focus on the question of why the game is producing losers in the first place. And that's a real paradigm shift that, mm. you know, I, I want to sort of promote. And certainly our book is, is advocating for that kind of change. I mean, that is a massive, that is a massive shift because essentially what you're calling for are the writers of the rules of that game to recognize that they created a game yeah. purposefully so that people would lose out so that there could be winners and losers. And I, and it's, and I think about this and again, I always go back to, there are two ways to look at the world. You look at it in terms of scarcity. There is not enough. And so I need to hoard and have, and have mine, 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 or that the world is in fact abundant and that there is more than enough and we need to create structures. And so that everything is equitably shared. And I just, you know, when I think about that and I think, oh, well, that, that's easy. We just have to make this shift. But if that shift means that in some people's mind, the politicians, the 1%, that they are losing out, yeah. right? That they, are, they, they no longer will benefit from the crooked game that they've created. Right. But they're the ones that are in charge of the game. It's like, how do you shift that? Well, you know, uh, yes, you, you, you raise really good points here, but it's still true that we live in a democracy and we do. Um, now, I'm, I'm, I'm the last person to sort of um, be pie in the sky, but we do elect officials to represent the people. And what mm. we need to do, I mean, things like the Black Lives Matter movement is, is a great example of people coming together to say, hey, this needs to change and and it's it and there has been change and we're moving towards change we need to do the same thing here with thinking about poverty and economic inequality we need folks to start saying hey uh, we need to change here we need to have our elected officials pay attention to this now again that's hard to do, mm -hmm. but I think, you know, what we're trying, you know, democracy really begins with discussions and conversations and you talking to people, me talking to people um, and talking on the air to folks, uh, you know, because again, as I said, you know, 80% 80, 80 of the population, if you look at what's happened in America over the last, since really the early 1970s, the bottom 80% has completely stagnated in terms of economic gains. All mm -hmm. of those gains have been focused on the top, particularly the top five and 1%. So it's like, there are a lot of people that this is a, that, that this should be a key issue. And we should think about organizing and getting people to recognize that, yes, um, you know, as you point out, we, this is a rich country. We do have a lot of resources. And we certainly can afford to start thinking about some of these policies that we don't have. I mean, that's the other thing here is that you have to ask yourself, 
why is the United States the only country, the only high economy country that does not provide universal health care? Yep. That does not provide child care assistance, that, that does not provide affordable housing. And, um, and I think one of the reasons is, you know, our history has been steeped in the idea of the rugged individual, of mm-hmm. self-reliance, you do it on your own, you don't depend on other people. Um, and, you know, and, and we need to confront that. And we need to say, actually, that, that is not working. That is not working anymore. And we need a new way of thinking. You know, the, one of the last questions that I want to ask you, Mark, because I find this topic, I've always found this topic really fascinating is this, you know, I'm, I'm looking at, um, it was, I think, the Global Finance Magazine, right? And in 2020, they put out their list of the top 20 richest countries, as they do every single year. Um, America is not in the top 10. America is actually number 11, um, uh, according according to them and, and the, the metrics that they use. Um, could it be... That instead of, let's say, trying to convince politicians and the 1% to do the right thing for the right thing's sake, do we shift a discussion that is about America losing, right, its ability to provide its standing as one of the wealthiest nations because of the ways in which we have purposefully cut our nose to spite our face, meaning that if we were to actually invest in the marginalized communities that we demonize, right, then we could propel our GDP. We could propel our offerings to the world. Is that a conversation that we need to have instead of, you know, instead of erring on the side of better angels when we know clearly not everyone has better angels? Absolutely. I mean, uh, yes, we should argue uh, about better angels, but there's no question that what you're saying is absolutely on target, that our economy is dependent on our workforce and investing in our human capital. And what we've been doing for so long in this country is writing off a significant percentage of Mm -hmm. our population. So what we need to do is we need to invest in our people. That means providing health care, child care. It also means providing that every American child should get a top quality education, which is not the case. When you look at, I live in St. Louis, and you go to any metropolitan area, and you go to a, a poor neighborhood, and you look at the schools and the resources available versus a rich community, there's a, a world of difference. That's wrong. That's wrong morally, but that's also wrong economically because we're not investing in all of our people. And if you look at those countries that are doing really well, they do invest in everyone. And so I think that's exactly the kind of argument, along with these other arguments we've been making that need that 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 we need to do it, we need to make in the future. Yeah, I think that, you know, we 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 have a tendency to want to um, appeal to people's moral standing. And what we have to understand is that everyone doesn't have the same set of morals and the same set of values. And that if we are truly going to make a difference, it's kind of, you know, it's the way that you run various media campaigns. It's a way that you do target marketing, right? Different people are moved by different energies. Yeah. And that's why, you know, I mentioned earlier the, the cost of childhood poverty study that I did. But here's another thing that came out of that study, which is, which is a very hard 
hard-nosed economic argument. For every dollar we spend in this country to reduce childhood poverty, we would save between seven and $12 down the road in, in saved costs. That's a huge bang for your buck. And so by investing in people, we are more productive economically, we will do better, we will save a lot of money down the road. Um, and so I think that's a very powerful argument. Mark, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us um, on Woke AF. I think that this is an incredibly complex issue that needs to be unpacked and discussed more because I do think that we are very distant, very arm's length between the seriousness of the poverty situation that is unfolding in America and I think is getting worse um, and was already on track to be worse than, you know, generations prior, but COVID-19 has really illuminated the discrepancies that we have in wealth creation, in wealth building, in access to education, healthcare, all of these different things, who we consider essential, who is not, right? Who is getting vaccinated right now that is on the front lines versus those that are just well-connected. Um, I, I think that it's an important conversation to have, and I'm really glad that you came on Woke AF. Folks, the book is Poorly understood what America gets wrong about poverty. Mark Rank, thank you so much for making the time for us today. Oh, you're very welcome, Danielle. Thanks a lot. As always, dear friends, power to the people and to all the people power. Get woke and stay woke as fuck. See you after Labor Day. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.